So there's a story of, uh, of a young boy who was, um, he was standing at the end of an escalator. And he's watching the belt go up and down, up and down. And there's this lady, and she's standing over there watching this young boy. And, and she says to herself, you know, this, something's not right. And so she goes over and says, young man, are, are, are you lost? Are you okay? Do you need any help? And he said, no, ma'am, I'm just waiting for my chewing gum to come back around. <laughs> it, tastes, it doesn't only taste like mint when it comes back around. Have you ever found yourself before in a place of waiting? A place of waiting. I don't mean that you're waiting for this sermon to end, right? Some of you might be. Or waiting for the Eagles game, Right? Just to be disappointed. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go birds. <laughs> I'm referring to waiting for something big in your life. Maybe you're waiting on the Lord to tell you what he wants you to do with the rest of your life. We have some seniors, right? What college am I supposed to go to? What career should I choose? What person should I marry? What job should I take? Sometimes when we, we call out and we pray, it seems as if God's timing is in our timing. How patient of a person are you? Not really. <laughs> Do you wait on God? Are you willing to wait on God? Or does everything have to be according to your time? The Christmas story, as we continue this, this series, Hope is Born, the Christmas story is filled. There's multiple different things we could look at that discuss the idea of waiting. But this morning, we're going to look at a man by the name of Simeon. And we're fast-forwarding a little bit in the Christmas story. So first, we talked about how the angel came to Mary, and then we talked about the angel coming to the shepherds. And this morning, we're going to talk about a man by the name of Simeon. Now, this would have happened after the shepherds, after Jesus is born, but it also would have happened before the wise men, right? Because the right way to actually have your nativity set is to put the wise men, like, way back in the corner, right? And then everybody else up here. It took the wise men a little bit of time to get there. Um, would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 2? <coughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 21. We're going to read through the passage, and then we'll come back and and work through it together. As you're turning, the name Simeon means something along the lines, there's, there's multiple interpretations, um, but something along the lines of someone who hears God, or someone who is listening to God. Someone who hears God, someone who is listening to God. So starting at verse 21, it says this, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who op first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would make your word clear to us this morning, make it transparent. Father, we thank you that we don't have to create truth, invent truth, come up with truth. You've given us the truth, Father, in your word. Lord, we ask that, uh, Father, you would remove distractions this morning, help us to focus on what you have in Jesus' name. So the Gospel of Luke, we're introduced to this man by the name of Simeon in verse 21. Let me read this, just these two verses here and we'll work through it. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. That was more than two verses. But Mary and Joseph do what any good Jewish parents are supposed to do. They take their child and they present him to the Lord. It's interesting um, that this idea of purification, of, uh, of circumcision, it, it all points back to people being sinners. But Jesus wasn't a sinner. Right? That, that's one of the, the, the foundational principles of our faith is that Jesus never sinned. The sin comes through Adam, right? and Jesus was born of a virgin. But it points us to something in Romans 8.3, which says this, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. The likeness of sinful flesh. This isn't the only time in Jesus' life that he's identified with sinners. He's crucified on a cross as a sinner. Yet, he committed no sin. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus went through all types of temptation, yet he did not sin. This is foundational in what we believe. And so looking at the beginning of Luke chapter 2 and, and saying, okay, well, there was you know, circumcision and purification, it's not because Jesus was a sinner. We have to make sure we understand that. And now we meet this man, and his name is Simeon. 
We've encountered men in the Bible before by the name of Simeon, but this one is a little bit different. This is the first time in the timeline of of this story that we meet this man. He's only mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. And here's what the scripture says about him. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So we learned a couple things about Simeon just from this verse. We learned that he was righteous, he was devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The word that's used um, to... Uh, in Greek, for, for the word righteous is the word dikaios, dikaios. It's the same word that's used to talk about Joseph. You know, when, when, when the Bible says that Joseph um, was going to divorce Mary quietly because he was a just man, right? So Simeon was a righteous man. He was a good man. He lived life well. Not only was he a righteous man in the way that he acted towards other people and other things, He was also a devout man. He was dedicated to the Lord. There was something different about Simeon. He was waiting for the Messiah to come. And we see here that there was a moment in Simeon's life when the Holy Spirit told him that he was going to meet the Messiah before he dies. Can can you imagine with me for a moment? Knowing that you are going to meet the Messiah before you die? And I think I'm missing verse 26 here. But that's in verse, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so we we know that there's a moment in Simeon's life, and we don't know the exact moment. We don't know how long it was between the Holy Spirit telling him and he actually met the Christ child. But the Holy Spirit told him that he was going to meet Jesus, the Messiah, before his life ended. But what happens sometimes in the reading of this story, because it's only one verse, is we miss the idea of how long Simeon might have waited on the Lord. You know, sometimes in life, um, we wait a long time for the Lord to show us what he wants from us, for the Lord to answer our prayers. We know that God is faithful and will always keep his promises. He's true to his word, and we're going to see that in, in Psalms 130 and also in this story. But, It doesn't always happen overnight. Think with me for a moment of how long it took the prophecy that was written in Micah to come true. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. What about the prophecies in Isaiah? About this Messiah who was going to come. It didn't happen overnight. Or the 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament. Right? Sometimes God doesn't speak when we're waiting for him to speak. Sometimes we're, we're, we're looking for some loud and triumphant entrance, and, and instead, Christ came as a humble baby. We're waiting for things in our lives. 
See, Simeon had to wait on Jesus. But he was waiting with anticipation. He was waiting with hope. Because as believers, we can wait with hope. We don't wait hoping something's going to happen. But we wait with the hope, the knowledge that God is true to who he says he is. We wait with the hope knowing that the God who controls all things is in control of my situation too. We wait with the hope that even though, even though my life might not be going the way I want it to be going, God loves me more than I can ever understand. We're going to take a moment. We're going to kind of step outside of this story. We're going to go back into Psalms 130. One of my favorite psalms. And here's what the psalmist writes. <coughs> Excuse me. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. We don't have time to work through this whole passage this morning. But there are seasons of waiting in life that are extremely difficult. We don't know how long Simeon waited. Maybe it was two years. Maybe it was 50 years. We, we have no idea because we actually don't know how old Simeon was. But we know that in seasons of waiting, there's often difficulties. And, and, and realistically, in life, there is highs and lows. There are hills and valleys. And sometimes it feels like we're waiting forever. Maybe you've been praying and you've been waiting. But God hasn't answered that prayer yet. Maybe it feels like it's been 400 years. There was a, a time when um, Sarah and I, we were, uh, she had a doctor's appointment. This is when we were still living in Halifax. And she said, uh, I don't know if you said, or we, we decided to all go as a family, right? So Sarah, me and Maya and I, we hop in the car and we go to the doctor. And um, talk about waiting, right, <laughs> the doctor. But uh, there's, a, there's an author who talks about um, the waiting that we have in our lives, waiting on the Lord as God's waiting room, that we sit in God's waiting room. And uh, it's a very interesting concept the more you think about it. But we go to the doctor's office, and um, the, the plan was I was going to drop Sarah off, and Nehemiah and I were going to go and just have, like, a fun dad-son time. And uh, we were going to go to Five Below and just walk around and see if there was anything cool to get, um, and uh, so we go in, we drop Sarah off, and we go into Five Below, and Sarah texts me, and she said, just so you know, there's a sign on the door, or right inside, that says that every doctor, except for mine, is at least an hour behind, at least an hour behind, and so I was like, ah, oh, okay, um, and uh, nothing Sarah could do about it, she's the one sitting in there, that's Nehemiah and I, at least we're driving around and doing things, so we went to Five Below, and then we went to Arby's, and we got some curly fries, right, and um, and then I, I text Sarah, and she says, well, you know, my doctor wasn't an hour behind, but, but now, you know, it's, it's been over an hour. She's waiting in the waiting room. 
And, and you know, the, real, the, the reality of it is as we wait in God's waiting room, um, it's, it's similar sometimes to waiting in a doctor's office. Is, uh, we're sitting there, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you got there first, but that person over there, <laughs> they get to go back before you do. <laughs> and, and I don't have time for that. You know how long I've been here? You know how long I've been here? Or what about when you're the only one? It feels like you're the only one sitting in the waiting room. Or somebody else gets called and you say, why not me, Lord? I've been, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. And, and God, it doesn't feel like, like you're listening to me or you're answering me right now, even though he is listening to you every time you speak. But see, as Christians, we wait with hope. And the psalmist, the psalmist says this, and so does Simeon, that our hope is in the word of the Lord. It's in the promises of God. That's what we wait on. The psalmist uh, says something and he repeats it. Whenever something's repeated in the Bible, you need to make sure you're paying attention, right? He says, I wait for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. It speaks of a desperation that was happening in his life. In ancient cities, there would... uh, the watchmen would, would look out at night and, and keep an eye to protect the city, right? They were the first line of defense. Yet it was something that was extremely stressful because of the amount of responsibility that was on these watchmen. And so when the morning would come, it was like, it's here. The sun's up. And the psalmist says, I'm waiting for God more than the watchman is waiting for that morning. I remember... Um, my nan, uh, this would have been man, about eight years ago, uh, she all of a sudden got this, um, what was it, E. coli, I think, just out of the blue, and uh, was in the hospital and, and ended up taking her life. Um, but I remember sitting in the ICU with her. We were up at Geisinger, and um, one doctor comes in, and this is nothing against doctors. This is just the reality of it. One doctor comes in, and says, here's what's wrong, and here's what's going on, and here's what we're going to do. And then about 30 minutes later, another doctor comes in and says, here's what's wrong, and it's something completely different. Here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to attack this, this illness. And, and you're listening to different, different diagnoses, different plans of, of adjustment, and one person is super positive, and she's going to get better, and the next person, there's no chance in the world this person's ever going to get better. And it's like, what's right? What's right? And, and I remember going down to the hospital gift room, and in that gift room was a little book of Psalms. And I bought it, and I took it up, and my granddad and I, <coughs> I gave it to my granddad, actually, and, and he started reading it and sitting there. And it was such an encouragement to him, because our hope is in the promises of God. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we love to talk about the part of, of mounting up with wings like eagles, running and not be weary, walking and not faint. But it's those who wait on the Lord. It's, it's those who, who, who are in that season of waiting, who are sitting in God's waiting room. God's going to give you the strength to continue to wait. He's going to give you what you need to continue on in your season of waiting until he deems it's time 
to answer your request the way he wants. Who knows how long Simeon waited? But I'm sure there were times where he thought, is today the day? Is this the moment? If you find yourself in God's waiting room, remember, there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose in the waiting, a reason behind it. I know sometimes when you're sitting in the the doctor's office, it, it feels like you're kind of wasting your time. You're not wasting your time in God's waiting room because God has an exact plan and purpose for it. Verse 26, there's verse 26. Verse 27 says this, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Now we're back to Simeon again. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led Simeon to the temple that day. This wasn't a coincidence, right? And and this is important for us to understand that in life there are no coincidences. And I think that's encouraging for us to remember in the seasons of waiting. As we wait and we wait and we wait, things don't happen because of happenstance or, or just because something luckily happened. You know, oftentimes we'll, we'll tell people, you know, good luck today. <laughs> there, there really is no such thing as good luck, right? This wasn't a coincidence that Simeon was in the temple the same day that Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit led Simeon into the temple. And he took up in his arms baby Jesus. Can you imagine? He had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, we we think that Simeon was probably an older man. We think that he'd been waiting for a long time. Scripture doesn't indicate that exactly, other than the part where he he says um, uh, here in a minute that now you are letting your servant depart in peace. It speaks almost of a, oh, finally, I've been waiting for this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But he takes up the Christ child in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. God, I've been waiting. And Lord, you are true to your word. You let your servant depart in peace according to your word, according to your promises. Because when God promises something, he always keeps See, when he says he'll he'll never leave us or forsake us, he's never going to leave you or forsake you. When, When the scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, it's true. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. For my eyes have seen Jesus himself. The Messiah himself, the Son of God, I'm holding him in my arms. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for, the glo- and for glory to your people Israel. We see from the beginning of Christ's birth, we talked about this last week, the announcement to the shepherds and, and the social and religious barriers that that broke. Um, but here, Simeon says, Jesus is going to be a salvation 
not only for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles. And, and, he, and he explains this, and we see that, that Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about who Jesus was. He is the Savior, not only for the Jewish people, for, for, for us, but, but also for them, for those that we look at completely differently. This Christ child is going to turn the world upside down. But he tells Mary and Joseph, this isn't necessarily going to be easy. Um, we're going to come back to, to this just in a minute, but um, in, in life, there are seasons of waiting. And maybe this morning you are in one of those seasons. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're, you're saying, Lord, I, I think I know what you want for me, but, but I, I, just, I need confidence in knowing that it's from you. Maybe, maybe you've been praying about something over and over and over again, and, and, and man, you're, you're just discouraged about it this morning, or you're trying to find hope in it this morning. We're going to watch a, a short video. It's a little longer than the videos I usually play. It's about five minutes. It's a song by the Gettys. And, and here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. To take a couple of minutes, the words will be on the screen, and just come before the Lord. Lord, in my season of waiting, show me what you want. Lord, in my season of waiting, point me to your promises that I need to hold on to. Lord, give me confidence and give me strength to continue to wait on you. Simeon waited on the Lord. And he watched and he held God's promise to him. In life, there will be seasons of waiting. The question is, what do we do when they come? Where do we find our hope? What do you hold on to? Simeon held on to the word of God. The psalmist held on to the word of God, the promises of God. Simeon, then he, he, he's holding Jesus, and, and he looks and he tells Mary, he says, listen, um, Jesus, Scripture says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He speaks to Mary and says, Mary, listen, this isn't going to be easy. Jesus was brought here for a purpose. It's, it's demonstrated in, in the lives of multiple people. You think of, of Peter and Judas, right? Uh, Judas who fell and Peter who continued. But in our lives, oftentimes, we look at the season of waiting and we, we look at the, the, uh, the answer of the waiting, the, the, what we've been hoping for to come true. And once it comes true, then, then it's there. But, you know, there's more to life than that. See, our purpose here on this earth is to glorify God and to do what he has for us to do. Sometimes it's something simple, but until your last breath, God has a purpose for you. Until you draw your last breath, God has a purpose for you. Let me encourage you in that today. In our Christmas Sunday, Christmas is right around the corner, that hope was born. 
And we hold on to that hope, the word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask this morning, and we thank you for your hope. But Lord, we ask this morning that you would encourage those in seasons of waiting. Father, that we would hold true to your word. That we would hold fast to it. Knowing, Lord, that you always keep your promises. Father, may we remain focused in our lives. Father, give us the bigger picture. Father, help us to live for you and for you alone. In Jesus' name.